0: Welcome to Healing the Spirit, a space where we awaken our creativity, deepen our connections, and remember who we are through the lens of astrology, archetypes, and art making. I'm your host, Jonathan Cole. Welcome to this podcast. I am super excited to be sharing with you a series of episodes where I answer questions that I received from my Instagram community. So, a few weeks ago, I did the whole sticker thingamajig and I told people, I was like, hey, I'm going to go on a podcast. I'm going to create some solo episodes of just me answering your questions as best as I can. And specifically, I was soliciting questions about learning astrology, and I got so many juicy questions. At first, I thought it was going to be this casual thing, but no. So much flowed out of me, and I just kept, you know, going and going, and I think if I were to compile all of these questions they would be like three or four hours long maybe a little bit more so first of all thank you for everyone who submitted the question because i really love answering questions about learning astrology if you love me answering questions about astrology i would love to know because maybe i'll do more of these episodes Um, yeah it was just so fun to create just a reminder before we get into it that my course with britain larue Astrology as Praxis will be starting on September 10th, 2022, and registration will be on August 26th to 28th. I am super excited to not only be teaching astrology, but also to explore various pathways that you can use to integrate astrology, individually as well as in a community. Using astrology, yes, to help you understand yourself, right? That is definitely the point of this class but also to expand your idea of who you are as a cosmic being and your role, your participation, your agency within this larger cosmic body. It's really a robust container, a beautiful, sturdy curriculum where we really actively invite in all of our faculties, right? Our mental, intellectual faculties, our emotional, spiritual, somatic faculties to participate in learning and ultimately unlearning astrology and creating the astrology that we need and want in this moment. Check out our course page if this resonates. Um, All of that will be in the show notes below. Okay, so back to the questions. Because they were all so rich, I really didn't want to fit this into one or two episodes because I think that might be a little overwhelming given how the episodes have so many different topics. And so I'm trying a new format here where I'm going to break it up into many different smaller pieces. So you're going to see episode 26 to 31 being these Q&A episodes. Episode 26 is where i cover a couple questions one of them is really about what to say or how to deal with naysayers of astrology and then the other one was really about um, how do we reconcile being a unique individual right with unique birth charts as well as being you know categorizable uh, using the language of astrology and so to me these two questions are a little bit more philosophical and they really speak to like this duality of like the inner skeptic and the outer skeptic. So I grouped them together and then episode 27 is my personal recommendations on learning astrology. Um, So if you are interested in doing that and you think you will benefit from, you know, a list of resources and me kind of um reviewing those resources listen to episode 27 episode 28 is pretty um technical it's where i talk about houses aspects and stellium i find that these three subjects are really the subjects that are um you know for like advanced beginner astrology students are very much like alive because we don't tend to talk about houses or aspects in, like, memes, you know? So people don't really know about it that much. So if you feel ready to go into, like, the nitty-gritty of astrology, go to episode twenty eight for Houses, Aspects, Stellium. And then episode 29 is where I talk a little bit about my current approach to interpreting natal chart, as well as where I stray from tradition. So... This is an interesting episode. I think this one may be the more controversial one, if that's what you're into. Episode 30 is like my astrology ritual and practices, as well as um, a major life transit, which in this case, Pluto transiting through my very packed fifth house. So episode 29 and 30 are both a bit more on the personal side. Like, they're really kind of my take on things, so if that's what you're interested in, or if you're interested in hearing my life story and my journey with Pluto, then definitely listen to episode 30. But both of them are pretty personal. And then episode 31 are really the miscellaneous questions that I couldn't really find a place for in the other episodes. Um, they're really about Lionsgate and then housing contract and Chiron in cancer. So Yeah. I hope that you enjoy these episodes. Um please also know that if you're listening to an episode where there are numerous questions, you can always skip ahead using the timestamps below in the show notes, right? So um yeah, that hopefully will come in very handy and you will find that very useful if you are like, "Oh, I'm not really interested in this question, just jump ahead." And then finally, all of the intros are going to be the same for episodes 26 to 31. So you can, you know, if this is your first time listening to the intro, well, you got to the end of it. And if this is, you know, if this is your second episode that you're exploring, then totally just skip to the questions, right? Don't feel like you need to listen to the intro again. And you can use the timestamps for that. Okay, cool. Cool. That's me being my Virgo rising self letting you know about all of the little details and I think that's it. So enjoy this episode actually more like this series of episodes that are super juicy super exciting pretty nerdy and I will see you on the other side. This question is from Eloisa. What are your daily or weekly astrology practices and rituals? Hmm, this is a great question. I would say that my most primary astrology practice and ritual is actually talking to people using astrology. It may not seem like a practice in the way that we generally or traditionally define that to be. But it really is to me. Maybe it's my chart. Maybe it's my personality. Maybe it's my Gemini moon that's ruled by my seventh house, Mercury, in Pisces. But I would say that this is really the primary w- way that I use astrology. I just get so much and I learn so much out of talking to people, whether they're classmates or professional astrologers that I get readings from, uh, clients or friends that I read for, students or even just random people online i mean honestly (laughs) this is probably a little funny to to um admit but i remember i used to do this a lot i have been doing less and less of this because i'm getting my fix of talking about astrology or about someone's chart a lot these days but um in the early days before i started doing consults regularly I used to, um, so I'm a member in many different astrological communities out there, like random Facebook groups or like Reddit groups, right? I'm not talking about like really legit, uh, groups. (laughs) Okay. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that Facebook groups or Reddit groups are not legit, but I'm not talking about like groups that are really formal, like, uh, Kira's like 11th house for example or something like that i'm really talking about like just you know good old like astrology forums right that are out there i used to go on those before i did regular consults and i would just like practice reading random people's charts and then just like writing down my delineations. seriously i used to be that like, obsessed about it, (laughs) that I was not even doing that with, like, a regular, like, a person I could see, it was just, like, people that I met on, like, these uh, groups, and honestly, I didn't make so many friends out of these places, but I've definitely made a couple friends that um, actually have stayed with me, and some of them, I think one of them, um, I stayed really good friends with, so, Maybe that's something that you might want to do um, if you li- are listening out there and you are, you know, curious about what it's like to read people's chart. I feel like reading strangers' charts online can be a really good practice. Um, to me, astrology really creates conversations and that's what I find to be the most exciting about it. You may have heard me talk about this before, but I almost named this podcast Future Language because I really feel like using astrology to communicate with one another and to ponder our lives as both individuals and within this greater web of life truly enriches our lives. Um, in general, I I think my ritual and my practice with astrology is that I just study astrology like a ton a ton I think that the way I study has become more scattered over the years um, and I've kind of let it become scattered because that's just how my brain works I tend to be reading like a bunch of different books at the same time I skip over left and right uh, I jump around from one online course to another especially when they're self-paced and also I think that you know, allowing myself to create um, astral-related content or reflections and then share them online has been a huge practice for me as well. To me, learning is such an important practice because there's something about learning that really helps me to continue to stay inspired, to stay fresh, to stay humble, and also to continually question what I think I know. So what I really mean by this is that you know, when you read a bunch of different books, for example, even when you read, um, let's say, two modern astrologers, right, that I can think of off the top of my head right now, Jeffrey Wolf Green versus uh, Rick Tarnas, they have very different significations about Pluto, you know, I mean, not very different, but it's different enough that um, I feel like Confusions and dissonance can, can arise. And I tend to love dissonance. I tend to love discord when it comes to learning because I just don't think that there is one way. And the moment that my brain starts to solidify what I'm learning into like just that one thing, that's when I know that I'm in a very dangerous territory. So I basically really like to learn and to question um really as a practice of love and devotion and then more privately i've been doing a lot of planetary channeling and this is something that i think is becoming much more entangled with my own energy work and my akashic practices and it also has this practice has really been born out of those practices like my energy as well as my akashic practices and my general meditation practices um it also is something that i have been inspired by one of my teachers um, diana rose harper i remember diana once did um these like planetary prayers and like meditating with the planets that she did with her patreon community for over seven days or i think for for the whole seven days she would have these meetups where she would guide people through um like meditation and prayers and just kind of general connecting with the planet so you know something i should mention is that other than attending those um meetups and then also reading one of Diana's posts about it. I never actually studied this uh, formally and I'm putting air quotes on that. Like I've never really studied this formally with Diana. So it's more like I feel like she introduced me to the concept and then I kind of built a practice from there that makes sense to me and really a practice that grew out of my own energy work practices. There's an article that Diana wrote called A Primer on Planetary Prayers or How to Start Praying to the Planets, which I will link below. Um, To me, this has been a really interesting practice because depending on what you consider prayers, and I think Diana kind of touched on this a little bit in that article as well, my work with them, I wouldn't really call them prayers because it's more like I'm just talking to them. Like I would have questions and I would feel into what their answers are and then I let myself listen and receive the information that um, I got from them which is very much I would say um, a template that I borrowed from my Akashic practice because that's how my Akashic practice is. I would have like maybe a list of questions and then I would just kind of listen for the answer. And over time, you you develop a sense of, like, is this really the Akashic field or the Akashic records or whatever you want to call them? Is this really them talking or is it, like, coming from me, you know? Um, to me, it's a rich area of exploration. And I think there are also, um, like, preferred ways and topics that certain planets like to talk to you about. So in my uh, experience, like, sometimes... Well, I work the most with Mercury and I find that Mercury is super chatty with everything. But is Mercury the best person to ask about, you know, um, should I change my business name? You know, or like, should I redo my website? Like things like that. Is that really the best question for Mercury? I don't know. Maybe, but I think depending on your relationship with these planets over time you'll get a sense of like oh maybe relationship problems are better for venus than for mars maybe you know um in terms of getting you out of stagnancy maybe that's more a mars dominion but i would say like really be open to receiving um another way you can do this too is just to open to all the different planets right to all the planetary forces archetypes guides ancestors whatever you want to call them and then just let them let whoever come forward right that has the best guidance for you or the most expansive the most expanding guidance for you let them come forward you know my first recommendation If something like this is interesting to you is to almost forget about your birth chart. To me, like coming into it with a childlike mindset of being like, tell me, tell me, and then just kind of cultivating a practice of listening is almost more effective than allowing so much of your own preconceived notion about what the planets can and cannot do to infiltrate the practice, and this can be hard, you know, because the way that we've been studying astrology is so geared towards that, you know, um, intellectual study, right, and we also have this, I think a lot of us who are attracted to astrology kind of has this propensity to want to talk about it, you know, to want to discuss it, right, so the more we discuss, I think the more the energy around certain maybe planetary significations can really calcify, right, so, It's a bit tough, but I think with a little bit of practice and you just and and cultivating a practice of of listening and being open and not being so dogmatic about like how the guidance comes to you, you might receive something really interesting. If you would like, you can always ground this in your birth chart or kind of the current transit. But I found that if you get too stuck on that analytical portion too early, you kind of have got nowhere else to go. You know, you corner yourself and then you just kind of get stuck. And so letting yourself put on the hat of like the fool card of the tarot, you know, really, I think that's a really powerful way of um, working with direct knowledge from the planets. Um, to me, what I would recommend... What I would recommend to any of you listening who who found this interesting is to assume that you kind of know nothing about the planets, you know, or how they're going to show up at any given day. Right. Because really, if we engage in this practice, to me, it's like engaging in an assumption that the planets are animate beings, that they are infused with life force. And so, you know, to me, it's kind of like relating to a really ancient teacher or like even like you know a really wise pet right (laughs) um or like a really wise like spirit guide like you can't you can't expect them to say the same thing every day and so of course you know you won't be able to fully abandon your studies because that's all kind of part of the practice but letting yourself be completely unencumbered by previous knowledge i think is really essential I want to make sure here that I'm not, I'm not saying that tradition is not useful or valuable or powerful. It really is, right? Because I think part of why we would want to work with these planetary energies too is because there's so much concentration of energy around them that's been built up over time, right? Be that from our culture or from mythology or just from the ways that people have been using and have been connecting to these archetypes so i think there's like a a force behind it right and at the same time when i've been too stuck in the academic part of magic personally for me i tend to end up not doing it at all because then i'm like oh my god i have to do it right i have to do you know i have to get all the right materials you know everything has to be like exactly the way that like you know the the associations of mars or the associations of saturn needs to be exactly right and then i'm just too bogged down by all these you know limiting um concerns that i i personally don't end up doing it at all now i know that not everybody's like that right so There are some other people who might be like, oh, I really need guidance. And then that could be a really great place to start. But even then, I think allowing in a little bit of experimentation, irreverence, playfulness is really important. Take it or leave it, right? Like that might just be me because I have a Mercury rule chart. And um, in my life as a Virgo rising, it's like, yes, study, study. But unless you break the rules, you're not actually going to get it. <laughs> That's what I've been learning, you know, from my direct relationship with Mercury. So, um, yeah, I guess I want to close by saying a few things that I feel are important to share with regards to rituals and practices. The first one is that the most pra- powerful practices are the ones that you actually do right? The most powerful rituals are the ones that you actually engage in with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole body, your whole spirit, right? So no matter how amazing the design of the practice or the ritual is, how much is vetted by people you think are so respected or so cool or so advanced, if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. So everyone really has to find their own way into it. And to me, This is where we can really divest, right, from the very colonial idea that, like, the insights are the point. You know, to me, that's BS because really the process is the point, right? The process, like, you engaging in the process itself and the praxis of doing it, that's the result. So for some people, you know, again, having the support of tradition is important because maybe you want to learn the rules in order for you to feel safe and supported and held. And that's absolutely beautiful. For some others, like me, it will completely hinder you at first, you know. So maybe you'll have to just go with your intuition and just do it. And then maybe you will be stuck, you know, in um, at a certain point in your journey. And then maybe you can begin incorporating more of the formal study right but but that can come later um and you know if you find yourself like studying 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 and then you never end up doing anything about it then i think that's a really good sign that maybe you need to switch it up a little bit you know i gave myself a lot of grief around how i didn't do enough of like planetary practices or exercises etc 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 and you know looking back i don't know i feel like the definition of rituals and practice really needs to be expanded way further because even studying like even reading books like that's a ritual that's a practice You know, you listening to podcasts like for me, I don't strategically listen to podcasts. I just have them scattered all around. I listen to whichever one I I want to listen to. I dip in and out, right? I'm a mess. (laughs) And that's just how I am. And and the more I allow myself to be that kind of messy, crazy learner, the more I can appreciate how that's my own unique way of learning and relating to the knowledge right like studying is also relating you know and it's really deep to relate through studying because it's like imagine you know if you have a lover right who is like i'm going to not in a creepy way i'm going to you know look at all the photo albums of you right from the time you were a child to the time when you were older and like really study you as a human being or like someone who really takes the time to remember what your favorite items are on the menu for your favorite restaurants you know like how beautiful is that right study is practice study is ritual so if you are that that person who really your practice with astrology is studying, then that's great. You know, you don't have to you don't have to want to even engage in any of the magical practices. To me, like that boxing of like what is magical versus what is not magical is also kind of BS. Um, whatever. It's my hot take. I uh, stand by it. If you struggle with creating practices or ritual, I would also remind you to give yourself to cut yourself so much slack right there's nothing wrong with you it takes time to establish rituals and practices and sometimes to even realize what your rituals and practices are i mean before eloisa even asked me this question and i sat down to really reflect on this i didn't even think that talking to people was my ritual but it really is It's something I do regularly and something I really enjoy doing. And every single time I do it, something magical happens. I mean, hello, what is that if not a ritual? What is that if not a practice, right? Um, Again, I would say, you know, something I would tell my younger self is in the beginning, just don't get too bogged down by like rules and regulations, right? Start with something that you're already doing. Really start with where you are. If you like journaling, then start writing letters to the planets. If you like meditating, then start connecting with the planets in that way, right? Just call in whoever wants to come. You know, if the moon wants to come, great. Talk to the moon, right? If the if Jupiter wants to come, talk to Jupiter. And if you don't want to talk to Jupiter that day, and Jupiter was the one who came forward, just say, "Mm, no, thank you, next, right? Like, you can do that. You have a lot of agency. If you like tarot, then maybe start learning what um, associations are out there and maybe begin incorporating it into your tarot interpretations, right? Like begin to see, you know, what are the different uh, planetary associations with tarot and see if it makes sense for you and see, you know, if something doesn't make sense, make up your own associations, right? If you like talking to people, then find communities, you know, online memberships. There are tons of like random free groups out there. There's one, um, it's, that's called the 11th house by Deborah Silverman, I think, which is a Facebook group. And I always get so much interesting messages from there. I mean, not all of them maybe is like the best, but it's still interesting. You know, it's still cool to see that there's such a huge community of people who are super into astrology and super into learning astrology right start a podcast you know talk to friends who are interested read their birth charts you know talk to them about their birth charts talk to other astrologers you know if you can't necessarily um afford readings then you know support them in smaller ways and then interact with them in whatever way you can right my point is that often Your practices and your rituals don't need to be this like well thought out thing, right? Chances are you're already doing something and so begin there. Like really allow yourself to appreciate the rituals and the practices that you already have and then see where that takes you. This question is from Jacqueline. Can you share some reflections and lessons from Pluto transiting your fifth? Or what have been major life transits for you? Thank you for asking this question, Jacqueline. And you know what? It's interesting because generally, I have a little bit of a discomfort in talking about experiences that are very personal to me, especially when they're unsolicited. Um... But also, like, publicly, right? I think with my upbringing, um, culturally, familially, I've really internalized a lot of, like, discouragement of um, that level of transparency. Because it was literally dangerous to the life of my ancestors to talk about their life stories. And so... I have to admit that this is a bit of an edge for me. But at the same time, because you asked, dear Jacqueline, I feel that perhaps there's value in talking about them. And perhaps my hope is that, you know, if anyone else is going through Pluto transits, whether on your fifth house or not, um, that can be something that's really useful for you. Um, And I also know that for you, Jacqueline, specifically, Um, Pluto has also been going through your fifth house. So hopefully some of what I'm sharing here inspires certain reflections or at least gives you, um, a sense of how I would look at it, right? Or how I kind of, um, contextualize this. So first, let's talk about Pluto. Pluto really speaks to the underworld, both literally and metaphorically. Pluto speaks to destruction, to the process of decimation, right? If Uranus rebels or destroys stagnant energies, Pluto completely eradicates it, right? Um, This is what Rick Tarnas said about Pluto. It is associated with all myths of descent and transformation, and with all deities of destruction and regeneration, death and rebirth. And then another um, modern astrologer who has written a lot about pluto was jeffrey wolf green and this is what um, jwg said about pluto pluto correlates to the soul and evolution the soul is an immutable consciousness that has its own individuality or identity that remains intact from life to life Within the soul, there exist two coexisting desires. One desire is for separate existence, to separate from that which created the soul. The other desire is to return to the source of creation. The interaction of these two apparently opposing desires instigates the drama of personal and collective evolution. Desire is the determining force I was going to read factor, but desire is the determining force that dictates the reality of each individual. Pluto's house and sign placement describes two simultaneous phenomena. On the one hand, the natal position of Pluto describes the generational vibration that a person comes in with, as well as specific individualized patterns. On the other hand, the natal position of Pluto points to the evolutionary desire, intent or cause of this life as seen in Pluto's opposite house and sign. So I know that seems like kind of a lot, but basically right, to me it's really interesting because um, on the one hand right, Brick maybe spoke of it more in terms of like the myth surrounding Pluto, right, thinking about Pluto or Hades as the underworld um, deity and then Jeffrey Wolf Green spoke about it more as like the soul itself right so yeah I'm just gonna leave that there and let you kind of percolate all of these information right and the reason why I read mostly from uh, modern astrologers is because really traditional astrology didn't really take into consideration the outer planets right so we really only have uh, the modern astrologers to Tell us about this and then something i should say too is that so jacqueline was talking about pluto being in capricorn right transiting through my fifth house so i do have a stellium in the fifth house or what i consider to be a stellium i have uranus neptune saturn and mars in the fifth house And in another segment, when I was responding to questions about the houses, I spoke about the fourth house to fifth house journey. To me, there's something really interesting and poetic to um, consider with regards to the fourth house and the fifth house kind of journey, right? From an individual's perspective, we can see that the arc of the hero's journey is kind of present here a little bit, right? it's really where we leave the comfort zone and the trauma of our upbringing and then we individuate as a person with a unique perspective and a voice to share from more of a that's more from an individual perspective right of the fourth house to the fifth house and then from a more collectivistic perspective maybe we can think of it as like the collective unconscious according to Jung and it feels like, to me, where we abandon this complicated, polluted colonial conditioning, right? And now we can move into creating new worlds dictated by what feels good to us. What's pleasurable, what's sensuous. It's kind of like that Adrian Marie Brown um, term, right, of like pleasure activism. Or maybe what I would call uh, pleasure an- anarchy. Um... In short, I would say that Pluto going through my fifth house has been a complete annihilation (laughs) of what I thought my artistic practices are. And something that's interesting about Pluto that I should mention here is that the orbit of Pluto is really, like, it takes a really long time, right? I think this particular Pluto transiting through my fifth house was over a course of about 15 years and it hasn't even fully ended yet. I think Pluto will start dipping into Aquarius in like spring of 2023, if I'm not mistaken. So my point is simply that, you know, to really point it out to just Pluto is kind of tough because these transits are long, right? But, you know, from what I've learned about Pluto, what I've experienced in my own Plutonic uh, experiences and journeys, I would say that, yes, there has been a complete overhaul of what I thought creativity is and how I express my creativity. I've always been a very creative person. You know, with that fifth house in Capricorn Stellium, I feel like I have always oriented myself towards art, right? And towards even thinking about my life as art. And yet, this period has really changed how I interact with my art and the form of my art. And also, I would bring in too the idea of romance, you know, because uh, to me, Fifth House also speaks to romance and unique self-expression. So Pluto really entered Capricorn. So this is where I'm going to go a little bit like play by play, right? But I'm going to keep it relatively brief um, so as not to bore you maybe with my life. Whatever. Maybe you find this interesting. But Pluto entered Capricorn. Um, you know, so it's interesting. When I, when I did this, right, I noticed that Pluto kind of does this, uh, back and forth a little bit with all of the different planets that I have in my fifth house because that's just the nature of Pluto, right? It moves very slow. And so it's almost like, touches the natal point and then it goes retrograde and then it touches it again and then it goes direct and it touches it again and then it leaves right so there's a little bit of this like back and forth like dance and for some of them for most of them they're pretty much you know only the period of a year and then for others like pluto was on my mars for basically about two years so that was really intense um so pluto entered capricorn for me the cusp of my fifth house early 2008 and it left for you know or or it left zero degree capricorn after that little three-part dance at the end of 2008 right so this is an interesting period i just moved to the u.s to study at manhattan school of music i was studying classical piano and so it was completely like a new environment right it was The reason why I brought up earlier about, you know, the fourth house to the fifth house story was because I was literally leaving my home to study something that is related to my artistic practice, right, in a new land. So it was like saying goodbye. And you know what? Ever since I moved to the US, I have not spent a considerable amount of time back home in indonesia like not more than four months or so so to me that's pretty significant um if capricorn has anything to do with like hard work establishing foundations and things like that pluto's ingress um really maybe around this time has a lot to do with the digging out and the reconstitution of some of these foundations um i found myself Really kind of starting anew because in the middle of 2008, I I kind of serendipitously met a new piano teacher who totally changed the way I played. Like this teacher for about three months really gave me like a crash course almost of like a different technique of orienting to the piano. And yeah, like that was a huge, massive shift for me because suddenly I played piano completely differently. I don't know for better or for worse (laughs) i think looking back i was also very depressed during this period because i worked and practiced and studied so hard and it was perhaps the beginning of when things started to crack a little bit because there was so much pressure that i felt around trying to be good at playing the piano that i think i lost a little bit of the love that i had for it when i was first starting out which you know i started learning piano when i was um Eight, But really, I became serious when I was 14 or 15. So um, not that long before I left and went to the U.S. to study piano. And then the next chapter was when Pluto was on Uranus, right? So the way that I'm approaching your question here, Jacqueline, is I'm looking at the different... um, like exact conjunctions between transiting Pluto and like my natal points right so when Pluto was on my natal uh, Uranus was around like it first came in around February of 2012 and then left uh, December 2012 this was when I was in and you know it's funny because I actually checked the the photos on my phone and this was really the start of my very first serious queer relationship well in fact maybe it was my first relationship ever um it was interesting because (laughs) i'm like how much should i should i share about this um what i will say about it was that it was an extremely volatile relationship the highs were very high the lows were very low and it's not entirely due to this person's fault right um he was a scorpio so hello pluto and in many ways i think he was kind of everything i ever fantasized about but ultimately realized that like this kind of relationship was not good for me but also i was young you know i was still figuring out like how i like to be romanced or how i like to be in love you know because there are infinite ways to be in love there are infinite ways of having relationships and there are infinite ways of being romanced right so i was really young i didn't really know my preferences that well so um yeah this relationship particularly felt very deep and karmic um it took me a really long time afterwards to not still feel like i'm entertaining the possibilities of getting back together even though consciously i knew that that's not what i wanted somehow like this person would um like make regular appearances in my dreams, for example, you know, so like clearly my subconscious is still attached to the the idea of this person until like pretty recently, actually. So there was also a lot of um, power struggles because we were both musicians. To me, power struggles are also very plutonic themes, right? There was a lot of comparison, a lot of competition, not really from my end because I didn't I never really cared about those things. But um, yeah, but still, it was kind of, you know, the the electricity was in that relationship. I would say upon reflection, it's interesting because Pluto, natally for me, it's not in the fifth house, right? It's on my third house and it's actually uh, squaring my notes. So I think also questions and concerns around, empowerment and what it means to to see my desire through to the end even though it kind of you know burned my ass was a really important thing for me to learn during this period of time um, and the reclamation of my power was also like a, a really slow you know i would say pluto's role was very much like kind of a slow cooker right like it built up over a very long period of time but Pluto really taught me about my own creative agency at this time and that also includes romantic agency because looking back this relationship really taught me about my own power and later on I literally after we broke up right I literally went on dates thinking and orienting towards the fact that i wanted the exact opposite of what this person represents to me and what this relationship represents to me and i did end up finding a relationship that was the exact opposite and that was actually really great (laughs) and um yeah it also taught me something about like my um I guess, like, my desire in a relationship, you know, thinking about, like, that fifth house Capricorn, right? I am less concerned, apparently, about, like, you know, being romance or having this really deep karmic connections that are also full of drama. And I was definitely more interested in, like, having a durable, healthy, supportive relationship, which ended up being the relationship that I had. And again, I am not saying that... um, my ex was a horrible person. But it's more that um, it really taught me, like, what kind of relationship I wanted. And I think looking back, it's very much like fifth house in Capricorn. Like, I want something durable. I want something trustworthy. I want something that I can count on, you know? And yeah. And then Pluto was on my Neptune next, right? Um, in 2015. And so... Looking back at this period, it was a very internal time. I did a lot of work behind the scenes on my album. Lots of crying on the subway while writing songs. I was actually also studying at Columbia University at this time. So I was um, doing, yeah, I was going back to school. I was studying something else entirely. I was studying um, economics. And I guess in that sense, you can consider this, you know, a bit of a, uh, disillusion right because um writing my first album i had to really contend with a lot of broken dreams and a lot of the ways that my dream my dream life didn't really materialize so um during this period there was a lot of like waking up super early to write songs um it was also a period of isolation because it was the first time that i truly had no audience like i had moved out of um this grad student housing that i used to live in and i used to perform a lot there and i I had this huge like very 11th house and third house community and then during this time when pluto was on my neptune i was completely devoid of that at the same time i was also going to a lot of different music shows with my partner so I don't know. This was a period of a lot of uncertainty. You know, I I was not a good producer. I I wouldn't really consider myself a great producer now either. And also, I really was not a good singer. Like at that point, I hadn't really taken voice lessons. So I didn't really know what I was doing with my voice. So there was a lot of really weird experimentation here. Like I remember recording my whole album with like a really bad mic and not knowing how to sing. And that was kind of a shit show of a combination. (laughs) Um, Also thinking about the archetype of, like, Neptune and Capricorn, to me, there's a lot of, like, maybe this figure of, you know, this person who is dreaming alone and dreaming, you know, tending to the etheric visions um, by themselves. And that was what this period felt like to me. And then Pluto was on my Saturn um, between... You know, the middle or or February 2019 to early 2020, like January 2020. So this was a really interesting period, actually, because this was when things really started to materialize with regards to my creative endeavor. I actually released my album on March 1st. 2019. So, just a couple of days after uh, Pluto was exact on my Saturn, I was playing a lot of shows during this time. I was doing everything that I thought I was supposed to do. So, like, there was a lot of like checking the list, right? Like, I submitted my music to a lot of music blogs. I tried to find a publicist and things like that. I played tons of weird venues in New York, often. <laughs> this is so funny to to look back on but often i was playing only to my partner and maybe like one other friend right um i was just lugging my keyboard from one bar to another yeah there was a lot of there was some fond memories there but it was also uh kind of cringy in some ways um and really i think there was a lot of like um Dissolving or cracking around my idea of like what it means to be, you know, the hardworking musician, right? What does it mean to like take your music out there? And like, what are the ways that, um, I don't know, like all these blogs or like these music column advice is telling me to do about how to release my music and how to interact with people that I was just realizing during this time did not work like at all right? Everything I tried was just kind of like throwing things into the black hole and then nothing came back, you know? Um, I also started to be really interested in my spirituality and this was around the time when I found lots of foundational materials. I found, uh, Transcendental Meditation, which was, I would say, my first really serious meditation practice. Prior to that, I had been, um, practicing meditation with the app Headspace, um, because, you know, I mean, I'm a Pisces sun. Of course I meditate, you know. But it wasn't something that really stuck with me until I found TM. And then um, I started reading Eckhart Tolle. And I remember being really blown away by his books and his ideas at that time. I read Julia Cameron. And I know you know this, Jacqueline. But the whole story about me um, reading Julia Cameron, getting dreams for my grandmother... Uh, finding Britain magically on um, through Google, right, and then um, realizing that me, my grandma, Britain, Julia Cameron, we all shared the same birthday, that was around this period. Um, I think working with Britain was also a really fabulous. I-, I would say that was like a really beautiful moment in this period of Pluto on my Saturn um, because it was like, I don't know, astrology really started to become like an obsession and and an interest and studying myself also started to become a, a huge interest for me in january 2020 was also the last time i traveled abroad right since the pandemic i traveled with my partner and little did we know the world was going to fall apart right so um yeah like i think saturn and capricorn really wants to have a lot of structure and when pluto was on my saturn it was interesting because it really thwarted my idea of what that structure needs to look like and then finally the last point i'm going to make here is pluto on my mars right so this one is actually a really long transit it was like from march uh 2020 to about um let's see November 2021. And this was a total and complete overhaul of how I did things specifically related to my creativity. And when I talk about creativity, I'm also talking about like our erotic life force, right? The thing that we do, um, since I know you, Jacqueline, it's like the things that we do that we know are going to be like humpable right? And uh, to me, that's also like a Mars thing and i started studying astrology very seriously i had actually studied astrology quite a bit before then too but it wasn't something that i really studied like you know with my gemini moon i was just buying all these books right reading a bunch of different chapters from the books and it was much more kind of like free-flowing but this was really the time when i started to like sign up for courses right and then build relationships with different teachers listen to various podcasts and be very like, concerted about my effort there. Um, Pretty quickly, Energy Work and Tarot also came right after. In the middle of uh, 2020, I released a music video and that did not go as planned, even though I was super excited about it. I was very, um, I remember creating this insane spreadsheet to promote my music video. And, you know... I don't think I got what I wanted and somehow it propelled me further into my spiritual path because it felt like, oh, you know, if music wasn't really happening, let me just allow myself to really dip my toes into these spiritual things that I'm really interested in. Right. I just kind of went inward and turned all of my creative energy into studying all the things I was passionate about. And then I started sharing. I got lots of support from others, from teachers, from friends, from strangers. And for the first time, people willingly offered to pay me for something uh, that I love doing. And that was a bit of a shock for me. And, and I think this really feels to me like Pluto on Mars, you know, because it was like thinking about Pluto as the um, modern ruler of Scorpio right and then Mars being the traditional ruler of Scorpio and also the ruler of Aries right both modern and traditional and then also my Mars was actually exalted in Capricorn right so it's interesting to see how you know when Pluto was visiting my Mars it was like I started to become exalted I don't know. I mean, that's such a weird word, right? But like, I started to get recognition, I guess, in, in a creative pursuit that I was really deeply passionate about, but my ego didn't think that that, that's where I wanted to go. And it also, I was, you know, where I wasn't really supposed to go, it was just quickly like de-energized, you know, which was really sad when, when it happened, but it quickly aligned me to where I needed to be. Something I also remember and I, I want to share here because maybe this will be interesting is that when I was younger, I used to really want to be a writer and a speaker, but I remember feeling too embarrassed. Like somehow I needed to look better or to sound better or something like that. And in many ways, astrology has really helped me, um, recover this, you know, childhood dream aspiration of mine of kind of being this barred, storyteller minstrel figure right i don't know it's it's really interesting and and also even thinking about like the name that i use for for my music project which is nate chi right like that name is still sticking until now and then afterwards when when pluto finally left you know those exact conjunction period with mars i launch healing the spirit So that was really interesting to me looking back at all of them. I think Pluto really smashed me. Um, I had been so many different people and doing so many different things with my creativity through this transit. So, yeah, I would say it's definitely been a long journey underworld um, within this area of my life that is the fifth house of creativity. right i hope that you found this episode to be interesting thought-provoking helpful to you as a reminder there are a bunch of other q a episodes around this episode really from episode 26 to 31 so if you want to hear me talk more about different questions that people submitted feel free to really find a topic that's interesting to you and if you're resonating with this episode definitely check out Astrology as Praxis. It's going to be a year-long journey of learning astrology, integrating astrology, understanding both yourself and the world around you using astrology as a framework for yeah, really practicing what it means to be human. Britton and I would love to see you in the container if you resonate with our voices. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, review this podcast. And if you're on Apple... I would love to receive your review. Something new that I am currently creating is some content that I will share with you as a gift if you write some reviews. So if you do write reviews, please take a screenshot before you submit it and then send it to me on healingthespiritpodcast at gmail.com and then I will get back to you when the bonuses are ready. Um... Just want to say that this is a practice that I find inspiring from one of my teachers, Sabrina Monarch. So I'm like, I want to do the same too. And it will be a totally different content, obviously. But um, yeah, just naming Sabrina as my inspiration for um, reciprocity. Until next time, I hope you take good care of yourself. And I'm sending you so much love. Thank you for listening.